Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, just a couple of little uh, notes to be made before we get too much further into our um, sermon and stuff for this morning. We did have to, again, order more books <laughs> because you guys keep gobbling them up. So there are some in. Uh, I don't know if they got the sticker or not. So I have some sitting here. I'll make sure they're on the, on the back. And there are some back there as well. So if you've got one of these revelations without the cool sticker in it, just grab the sticker. If you're not using uh, the Revelation Bible that we are giving you guys for $5, grab one of these anyways. <laughs> they're, they're yours for free. Uh, the $5 is about the actual book, so make sure you do that. Uh, also, man, the Wednesday Bible studies have been awesome and very well attended. Um, we're averaging around 50 or so people in the house, uh, and then we've got tons of people watching online as well. Lots of people not even from our congregation, which is, I think, pretty awesome. So, um, thanks be to God for that. Jo join us here at 6 o'clock is really, I think, the best way because if you have questions and, and input and stuff like that, it's, it's just a way better experience. But if you miss one, it's on our YouTube channel is where you're going to find that. Just like our sermons are, and our worship services on the YouTube channel, there's a separate playlist. And I'm trying to keep them all in order uh, or Sarah, I should say, is trying to keep them all in order so you can go back and catch them. And if you haven't, if you, if you just decide, you know, I'd, I'd like to jump in, jump in anytime. And uh, you, can, you can go back and watch the ones you missed. So we are hearing today from Revelation chapter 2 to the church in Smyrna. Um, so again, there are seven letters. This is the second one. This is the beginning. We're still kind of in the introduction, if you will, um, of this letter to uh, the, or I'm sorry, this book that we have that is Revelation. And Jesus himself says to send these letters to the seven churches. So we're going to hear about the church in Smyrna. Because this is the word of our Lord and Savior, would you please stand? And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write... The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of our Lord. He may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, last week we heard about Ephesus. The church in Smyrna <laughs> is different than the church that was in Ephesus. Smyrna is in uh, modern-day Turkey like Ephesus is, but it was in a, in a different sort of area, and the church wasn't quite as established, if you will, as that church in Ephesus. Um, and at the time, it was very wealthy. It was, it was, again, one of these cities that had a lot of commerce going on. They had a, a big stadium. They had an amazing library, so intellectual, uh, commerce, all of those things are going on. And in the church of, in Smyrna is one of the earliest accounts we have of very sort of like heavy-duty imperial cult worship. 
uh, meaning they worshipped all of the emperors that had gone before. Now, if you have been uh, here on Wednesday evenings or following along, you know that, that shortly after, or maybe around this time, one of the emperors decided he didn't want to wait until he was dead to be considered a god. So he kind of declared himself a god. So that's the, the kind of mindset that we have in Smyrna. Ephesus was, was much more like a, a, a place where Christianity was, it was deeply rooted, lots of Christians there. But this is like being a Christian in a hostile territory. Um, there, there are places like this around the world uh, that, that you can imagine. North Korea is one of those places. Pakistan, Afghanistan. There's, there's lots of places, and, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But there's places where being a Christian can be dangerous. But also there's, in our lives, all sorts of, of struggles and trials that are similar to what those in Smyrna are going through. Christianity is, is not the, the welcomed into culture religion that it once was, ingrained into who we are in, in our American society as it once was. But even beyond that, this text is really about something deeper, and it's, it's in all of us and all churches it's the, the trials and tribulations that we face in this world. The things, frankly, that we're scared of. So that's what we're really going to be covering today is the, the stuff that makes us afraid, not just of being a Christian and professing our faith. That's a little bit different. Everybody has the jitters and is a little bit nervous when, when they talk to somebody about Jesus. How are they going to take it? Am I going to say the right things? This goes to another level of fear that is... The, the fear that we have over those things in our lives that are challenging and difficult, painful, all of that. And the first thing that he wants the people in Smyrna to know is that he knows. He knows their trials and tribulations. He knows what they're going through. It's incredibly powerful when you don't just read through those words, when you don't just hear them spoken to you, but rather you actually feel sort of a connection with what Jesus is saying. He knows and understands the difficulties that you face in life. Not, not just intellectually, again, just like with the Ephesians, not from a distance, but he walks amongst the lampstands and he is there present with them, but not just that, he actually became human. And he suffered in many of the same ways that all of us suffer. There were times when he didn't have enough, when, when he struggled, we would call it financially because, because he didn't have things. He struggled when he was hungry. He struggled when he was tempted. He struggled with betrayal. We've talked about all of these things, how much Jesus suffered the similar trials and tribulations that we did. But we forget just how powerful that is. I was, I was talking to somebody uh, this last week, and they were really distressed, upset, sad, all of those things, disappointed. And, and as we were having the conversation, they said, the worst part about it is their friend whom they would talk to is going through the same thing. 
And I said, no, that's, that's actually perfect <laughs> because they know what you're going through. I said, I, I can tell you I've been disappointed and I can talk about your disappointment for, from a perspective that is similar, but if they're going through the exact same thing, well, now you, you have something to, to share with, to, to be sad together with, and just to know that somebody else knows your pain in, in that way is, is profound. I, I say this to people often. Like, I, don't, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't, I don't know it and understand it like somebody who's been through that, whether you're you know, laying in a hospital bed and, or if you've got a diagnosis or something like that. I, I may not be able to say I know exactly what you feel like, but I hear you. But when somebody says, I know what you're going through, I've been through the exact same thing, it's incredibly powerful. Jesus is telling those in Smyrna, I know you're afraid because well, you've, you've got the, the cult of the imperialists right there. And, and that tide is starting to turn against you. And the, the Jewish people in the synagogue, they were the first to persecute the Christians because the first Christians were Jewish people converting to Christianity. They saw it as a threat. And they saw these, these Jewish people as essentially heretics who are leaving the Jewish faith and, and following this false teacher named Jesus. So, so they were being persecuted literally from every direction, and, and they weren't able to participate in some of the commerce. Many of them probably lost all that they had because they professed their faith. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. I know what that is like. And I understand it. And he says it in uh, chapter 2, verse 9a. I want to I read that so you can understand clearly what he says. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews, blah, 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 blah. But he knows the tribulation and the poverty, but, but puts a caveat on there. But you are rich but you are wealthy. And he's going to touch base on that again over and over again in Revelation. We'll get to that throughout this year. He's saying to them, he understands and he knows, and then he is able to make a promise. And I want to read Revelation 2, verse 8 as well. He says, this is the beginning, where he always gives to them some sort of characteristic of who he is. He says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of Jesus of the first and the last who died and came to life. He says, I know your trials and tribulations because I've been through a trial and a tribulation such that I died, but then I came to life. And he's going to tie that in at the end there with that second death. But he says, I know what it is to go through this, to be surrounded by people who are against you, to feel maybe like some of us feel like the world is against us, like nothing is going our way or something will never end or this is constant and just being frustrated and, and that, that sort of a trial and tribulation weighing on us constantly. Jesus says, I know exactly what that is to the point that it killed me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is the, the trial and tribulation that Jesus is referring back to that he knows. He is the one that everybody rejected, that they nailed to the cross, but he knows yet even a step further when he says, God, why have you forsaken me? 
So that's the one thing that in, in our minds we tend to conflate, inflate, and, and make predominant in our minds that, that everything is against me, everything is going bad, this day is terrible, all of these different things. But we never hopefully think that God himself has rejected us because he hasn't. That rejection was reserved for his son on the cross. And so even to that extent, how, how he knows what we're going through is even more deep, more profound, more than we can even imagine. He knows us. And so what he then says is, don't fear. Don't be afraid. This is the, the potential sin of the church in Smyrna is that because of all of these things out there, we should live in fear. Because of these things, we are, are crippled by fear. And I'll be honest with you, it's, it is one of the most um, beguiling, challenging, and frustrating thing for, for a pastor, for a parent to deal with when somebody has fear that is unfounded. You know, to, to try and convince somebody that I promise you this is safe. It's like standing with somebody on, on, a, on a roller coaster or at the, at the gate of a roller coaster saying, I promise you this is safe. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's going to be fun. But they, they keep having this, this irrational fear. And the, the fear of, of change in people's life is one of those things that, that always just, just blows my mind, but I'm kind of wired weird. I love change. I love new things. But a lot of people are wired so that, that whatever is safe, the thing that they know, that's what they want to stay close to. And there's, there's some security and safety in that. But change is something that, that is inevitable, especially when that change is, is kingdom-oriented, or fear even to believe, to trust in God. I've bumped into this one a handful of times recently. People coming out of the pandemic or other experiences feeling like they, they haven't believed in a long time or maybe they never believed, but the world is different now and, and, and they're afraid because they're starting to resonate with the message of the gospel. But what are you afraid of? Afraid of becoming a Christian? Afraid of, of believing? Afraid you're going to be like one of those weird Christians? Afraid that you're going to um, have some sort of strange experience or something like that? Or afraid of letting go and forgiving? Uh, afraid of moving forward and embracing a faith in a, in a Savior who loves us is so counter to scripture that all I can tell you is that it is the force of sin, death, and the devil. The devil doesn't want us to change because when we're changing as Christians, we're becoming more like Christ. 
Sin works against us when, when we read scripture and we hear how we should stop doing this and start doing that and live this way, even to embrace that God loves us. Sin doesn't want us to do that. The devil himself is pr- pushing and pressing against us to, to change into those, those positive things, to embrace and wrap our arms around these things. And yes, it can be uncomfortable. Yes, it can be scary even to change and to begin to live a life as a faithful believer and to take on the disciplines and the responsibilities that come with that. It can be, it can be daunting to, to hear and then repeat out to the world that you believe that, that God created the heavens and the earth. To hear how Christ himself loves you so much that he died for you and was raised from the dead. And, and I have seen and heard, heard people mock that and say, you really believe he came back from the dead? So yeah, if we believe in God, like he can create the universe, then things like the resurrection and other things are, are simply child's play. But there are people who are right on the edge of belief in Christianity who are afraid to adopt that belief because of how it changes their worldview. And how it changes that they are now accountable. And it changes their vision of eternity. It changes how they have seen their life going and the end of their life going. All of a sudden, everything starts to change and they get scared. But what Jesus tells the church in Smyrna, this is, <laughs> I think this is good. We'll, we'll see how you decide this is. Uh, chapter 2, 10a. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Here's a fun moment in time where we get to flip to the front there and see what does the number 10 mean. 10 is completion or fullness. You'll be thrown into prison. He's, he's meaning that very literally to the people in Smyrna. This is happening and going to happen to you. For us, it feels like we, we are putting ourselves into a prison where we have suffering and trial and tribulation, something that we can't get out of. And, and Jesus says, you'll be in there for the full amount of time. <laughs> in other words, you don't get to skip this part. See, suffering is is beautiful when it is connected to the suffering of Christ. When, When he says he knows you and he knows what you have been through, you also get a connection to his own suffering. So when when we are suffering, we're reminded that Christ suffered for us. When we suffer in this life, we rejoice that, that our suffering wasn't to his extent quite literally, but also to the extent of being rejected by God. We have a a camaraderie with him, a connection with the Savior who suffered every time that we suffer. You shouldn't go looking for it. We should most certainly understand that when we suffer, we are joined with Christ in that suffering if, as he says, we believe. So we have nothing to fear because death claimed Jesus for the full, complete amount of time. Not 10 days, but three. That doesn't mean literally what you're going through only over the last 10 days, but the full amount of time. That, that we are going to suffer. The Lord knows our suffering and he is with us in that suffering. 
and there is an end to it, even if that end is our own death. We should be thankful because in the world around us, in this, this world globally, something like 13 Christians are killed every day because of their faith. 12 churches or mission institutions are attacked or burned to the ground every single day. There are hundreds of countries. Some of them, we serve the people. Eritrea is one of the top five, I believe, places where Christianity is persecuted. And there are people from Eritrea in the refugee camp that we go to, that we minister to. So, so it's, it is real and it is happening right now. Not in our country to that extent, but there is that suffering out there where people are thrown into prison for their faith. In our lives, we can feel like we are in a prison and can feel like our faith isn't helping because it's not getting us out. <laughs> it can feel like our faith is futile because it's not solving the problem. But Jesus doesn't say, faith will solve your suffering. Christ doesn't say that believe more in him and your suffering will dissipate or disappear. He says you're going to suffer. He tells the disciples specifically, you're going to suffer for my name. That's how this works. Christianity isn't an end around that gets you away from the painful, difficult things in life. It's one of the things I dislike most about uh, like TikTok and Instagram where these, these Christians are out there showing their amazing lives and thanking Jesus for it. That's all well and good, but don't forget that person has suffered too and will continue to suffer. And these external things that you're seeing are, are not the full story of any Christian's life because no Christian believes their way out of suffering. But we do know that it lasts for only a certain amount of time. And that is extremely helpful. Some of you are aware that uh, I regularly participate in a cruel sadomasochist um, event called yoga. I hate yoga. I hate yoga with every ounce of my being, but it's really good for me to do. And you know what makes, I, I, when I go to yoga, I, I sit on my mat at the beginning and I think, I don't want to be here. I want to be anywhere else but here. There's 102 degrees in the room. I'm already sweating. And you know how humiliating it is when like, you're in the middle of doing a yoga class and there's 30, 40, 50-year-old soccer moms who are just kicking your tail over and over again. I, I want to start and everyone was like, yeah, but what do you deadlift? You know, what a, this is my masculinity coming out. But here's what I do appreciate about it. It's structured in a way that I know where we are and I know how much time is left and I know it's going to end. We do the thing that is A and then there's a B, then there's a C, then there's a D and then you lay down and take a nap. Like, that's how it goes. That's how yoga is, right? So I know A, I know B. Once I get to C, I'm like, we're almost through. We're almost done. And I know it's going to end. Any time that we're suffering, it can seem horrible if we see no end to this thing. If it doesn't seem like it's going to come to a completion, it's so much worse. It's, it's literally a torture tactic. But our Lord says, no, there's a finite amount of time that you will suffer. He knows what it is, even if, if it is all the way until your last breath and you die, it will come to an end. 
And then you become the crowned conqueror. Let's look at 2.10b, the second half of that. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is what is absolutely amazing. If, if we are faithful unto death through the suffering, then we are crowned victorious. This is what I mean, that connection. If we are suffering and we recall in faith that our Lord suffered for us, then as he was crowned with life when he was raised from the dead, so too shall we be raised from the dead and crowned with life. This is the promise he has, has made to us that we share in his victory over death. It's, it's one of the most amazing parts about this because it's so counterintuitive to the way anything else works in life. You don't have a basketball team with, with you know, 11 guys on the bench, one against five, <laughs> plays the entire season, wins every game, becomes an NBA champion, this one person against everybody, and then says, you all are victorious and you get rings. That basketball player would be like, you guys are chumps <laughs> and you don't get to share in my victory. But just as, as, as he was victorious, we're crowned victorious. And I feel like we have to just jump ahead a little bit and touch base. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this. I hope we have the text for the screen. We're jumping to Revelation 21, 5, verse 8. It's on page 80, if you're using this guy. Let's just look at, uh, starting at verse 8. This is Jesus saying again, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's the eternal death. And it isn't as though, because I know you might get a little bit nervous. This is why I wasn't sure I was going to say this. I want to make sure and drive this point home. You're like, well, every now and then I tell a white light. What that means are those who do not have faith, whose sins are not forgiven, meaning those people are just like you. The difference is your list that would be up there has been wiped clean, and those who haven't had their list of sins wiped clean because of faith they die eternally. Let's go back to that conqueror text that is 2.10 verse B. It says, be faithful unto death and you will be victorious and though you die, you will be raised from the dead and not suffer that second death, not be in that lake of fire and eternal death. If you are faithful, this time that we are in can be fearful, right? It, it can be something to be uh, afraid of when our suffering and trials are, are so intense that it feels like the world is going to crumble around us or it feels like, like we're just at a loss, can't do anymore, can't go on any further. Nothing is ever going to change. I promise you, everything changes if we are faithful unto death. So as we suffer and, and toil and work our way, we, we connect that in faith to the suffering of Christ and know that, that in the same way that he was crowned victorious, we too are crowned victorious. We will be. Just endure. This time you're going through right now won't last forever, I promise the difficult things that you are going through, the Lord knows exactly how long it is going to take before you're on the other side of that. This prison that you feel as though you're in, I promise you, the Lord knows it, and he has felt that same feeling, and he knows it's going to come to an end for you, if not in this life, 
then he promises it in the next. Be faithful constantly, forever, and always, even unto death, and then we are victorious with him in eternity. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand? Receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.